welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Um, tonight we're going to be looking into uh, the book of Habakkuk. Uh, it's a small three-chapter book in the Old Testament, close to the end, one of the minor prophets. Uh, I want to share with you tonight uh, from that scripture, from that book. Uh, it's, it's Like I said, it's not very long. We can, we can go through it tonight from uh, just taking a look at it, a snapshot of that book from chapter 1 to 3, because it was written by a man who was living in a very difficult season was facing a very difficult season ahead in his life, and uh, he was fo- he was really uh, going into a season where there was going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of change, uh, politically, religiously. He was facing uh, the challenge of his whole religious worship being taken from him, his whole uh, expression, the temple that he would go in and worship at and offer sacrifices and meet with God was about to be taken from him. And he was given insight to that. And he had some difficulty in accepting that and walking in that. But tonight we're going to explore that to bring from it some strength and some comfort and some encouragement. I think it's a, it's a very apropos book for us in this season. I've titled tonight's study, Holding On and Being Held. You'll understand where we're going with that in just a moment. But I want to pray for you tonight. Maybe some of you um, need prayer. Maybe some of you need a touch from God right now. And I want to pray for you as we get into the Word so that you're not distracted, so that you're not, uh, your heart is somewhere else and your mind is somewhere else. So I just pray that you'd come and you'd settle with us before the Word and, and you'd get something tonight. Father, we love you for your Word. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our redemption. We thank you, God, that you are with us, uh, that we are held. And Father, we thank you tonight that there is nothing that we face that you've not made a way through for us. You've gone before us, and the Word says you're behind us. You surround us, and underneath us is the everlasting arms. That's what your Word says. And so tonight, we are surrounded. Uh, We're surrounded by you, we're surrounded by others that love you, and we're surrounded by a heavenly host that's watching, protecting, and keeping us. And we thank you for all of these graces. And we pray tonight as we go into your word, our heart would be lifted, our minds would be stilled, and Father, we would receive something, some sort of insight, something that would bring about uh, an encouragement, bring about instruction, bring about correction if there are things that need to be corrected. And there would be a blessing in your reading of your word tonight. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. I don't know if you've ever heard the funny story about the the believer that was in the church service and uh, was really going through a crisis, going through a very difficult time. And uh, there was an altar call given at the end of the service, and he went down front. He was in tears. He was going down because he was at wit's end, and he was looking for answers. Uh, And so he was standing there, and uh, two gentlemen came and joined him at prayer to uh, there at the altar to pray with him. And one was on the right hand, and one was on the left hand, and everyone was entering in and praying. And uh, as he's there 
worshiping as he's there praying. One brother on his left leans in and says, hold on, brother, hold on. And he leans back over and continues to pray. And then a little bit later, the guy on his right leans over and says, let go, brother, let go. Uh, and so they continue to pray and he's, he's there praying. And once again, one leans in and says, hold on, brother, hold on. And then the other one leans in and says, let go, brother, let go. Uh, he didn't know what God wanted him to do, whether to let go and surrender or uh, to hold on and keep fighting. And uh, we laugh at that because that's a scene that gets played out sometimes and can be kind of real in our lives where, uh, you know, what we're going through, we're trying to find a solution, maybe in our surrender and our, in our letting go, or we're trying to find the courage to hold on. Uh, and so in these difficult places, it can, it can be hard to get God's perspective. It can be hard to whether to know, am I, am I not surrendering uh, or am I not holding on? And that's all part of facing difficulty. Uh, in that situation, both men were right. Uh, we need to let go. Uh, you know, there, there are things that we need to let go of. We need to let go of fear and worry and anxiety. And we need to let God be God. And then we need to, in our letting go, we need to hold on to that surrender and say, you know what, I'm not going to pick up that again. I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to hold on in that position of surrender. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to, you know, let this pain dominate my life and the perplexity weigh me down. I'm going to embrace God's embrace, and I'm not going to let go. Uh, because I don't know if you know this, but I've, I've, I've certainly experienced this in my life. You, you can embrace one thing if you're holding tightly to another. So it's very difficult uh, to let go <clears throat> of one and then embrace another, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not willing to let it go. But there, there comes this call from God's heart, uh, from the Father heart of God, from, from God's incredible uh, heart towards us uh, to learn to let things go and also to learn to hold on. Uh, Habakkuk, if you read this book, is a case study in someone that learned to let go of some things, um, but also learned to embrace something that he couldn't see, something that uh, was out in front of him that was so beyond him. Uh, he was called to let go of, of some ideas that he knew or thought about God and about the temple and about his way of worship. And he was called to embrace the unknown, uh, you know, by embracing uh, and, and holding tight to God's hand. And so um, not only did he learn to embrace, uh, but he learned how to find strength and to endure one of the most difficult times in God's people, if you read through the Word of God, had ever faced in history, the, the upcoming Babylonian captivity, which lasted for 70 years. This man's name uh, means to embrace. Habakkuk means in Hebrew to embrace. So right away, God is speaking to us because everything is written on purpose. Every name, every jot, every tittle is written on purpose for our encouragement, for our edification. So God is speaking through this man uh, to us, even in sharing with us and, and naming him Habakkuk. Now, if you know anything about Jewish life and Hebrew life uh, during these, during this 
uh, time and point in history, the Jews named their children out of their own aspirations for them or what they wanted them to live up to. Uh, you see that throughout the Word of God uh, and throughout Jewish history, or what they meant to them at the time of their arrival. You you find that uh, you know different fathers naming their children different things. Uh, Moses was called; uh, he was named, uh, brought out of water. He was drawn out of the water. Uh, different people were named different things, and they, and their names represented something. It spoke something of their future or maybe something of their character uh, or some event that was happening at that time. So every Jewish child received a name and there was always a purpose in it. And, and this name can mean two things. Habakkuk's name can mean two things. He is embraced. Uh, he is accepted. He is loved by his father, the one that is embraced uh, and so you can see how this child being born, brought into this world, his father sees him, and he says, you are Habakkuk, you are the one that I embrace, or the mother, you are our embraced one. We love you. Our heart is towards you. You have a place in this family. You are our child. Or it can mean possibly, uh, you know, something about his future something that he was going to embrace in his future. Uh, maybe his parents had it in mind that he would, uh, that they would name him uh, Habakkuk uh, to embrace life, uh, to live with courage and faith, uh, to live life embracing their ideals, their beliefs, the truth, being principled, being steadfast, unshakable not running away, but exhibiting strength and holding fast. So this was, this was their, maybe their aspirations, that this guy, this child would grow up and that he would learn to embrace life's challenges. Uh, and, and sure enough, as you read this short book about Habakkuk, and it's the only book in the Bible that, that has his name written in it, so we don't have a, a, a huge history about him, but uh, it's, it's thought that he was one of the minor prophets uh, around the time of Jeremiah, uh, obviously living around that time. But from the internal evidence in this book, this man's name uh, matched his character when you look at it, because he certainly was a man that embraced integrity. Uh, when you read the first few verses in Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, he was a man that embraced justice, morality, godliness, uh, compassion towards the poor. Uh, it, and he was living in a time in a religious world that was so corrupt and self-centered. Uh, he embraced his call to live a life that was fully on for God. Uh, so he was, he was living in a very corrupt time, but he had embraced the call to live for God as a light and an example to his people as a prophet. And so he was, he, as I said, he was most likely uh, born shortly before the life of, uh, or the reign of Josiah. And he lived through a time of great revival and reformation. One of the greatest revivals in Judah's history happened, uh, you know, in his lifetime. And now the years have passed. And uh, after this great revival, there was this great turning away. So in those last 25 years before Israel or Judah is carried captive, they went from, uh, from uh, serving God uh, from this point of revival and awakening to the depths of degradation, the depths of, of corruption, 
uh, idolatry, all of that was happening uh, in his time. And so there was a lot of things that were going on. And he, and he is living as a contemporary of Jeremiah. He's living there, and no doubt he's hearing uh, the weeping prophet. He's heard Jeremiah. Jeremiah's been on the scene now for, for years, and he is warning about the coming armies of Babylon. So he would have known that. He would have heard that prophecy. And, uh, he, and he heard that life that the Jews were, uh, that they knew uh, was about to change drastically. You know, their, their access to the temple was going to change. Their life was going to change completely. Uh, they were going to be taken captive into a foreign land by a very wicked and very corrupt uh, king and a very corrupt kingdom which was the which was king nebuchadnezzar and his and his uh, and his kingdom the babylonian kingdom and he wrote only a few short years before the babylonians actually came in so the northern kingdom at this time had been taken away in 722 into captivity by assyria and judah was now in full-blown rebellion and apostasy and god was sending his prophets again and again over and over again to call his people back and habak is living in that generation he is there is an impending invasion and he, this, is, this man has embraced God courageously in a very compromised church age. Uh, and he was so burdened, as you read, uh, we're going to read here in just a moment, in one, uh, chapter 1, 2, and down to chapter uh, 1, 4. Uh, you see that this man in, in these verses, how burdened he is, and he cries out to God. He complains to God about what's going on. And so here's what he says. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and I see violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Now, we can read on there, but this is just to give you a snapshot of the context that this guy lived in. He was a man that embraced his God. He stood firm. He lived right, and he loved God's law. And here we find him praying, a very common prayer that many people pray when they're facing difficulty or when they're grieved about maybe things that are going on in the world around them. Like you could be grieved now with all the agendas, the secular agendas that are uh, just captivating so many people's minds, so many people's lives. And uh, he prays something very common. How long is this going to continue? How long will you allow your people to go on like this? Uh, so here, here's a man that's burdened. Here's a man that is troubled. He's concerned because his society, his, the, the fabric of his culture is, is eroding. It's, fast, uh, it's, uh, it's unraveling. And he asks the Lord, how long is this going to go on? And that's a reasonable question. <laughs> One that, that all of us, of us have asked at one time or another. When you're faced with opposition, 
Uh, when you're carrying things for a while, when there's difficulty, when there's pain, uh, when there's uncertainty, or uh, these things just are continued, uh, and this is years speaking now, so this isn't just a week or two or a month. This is ongoing years. This man is living, and he says, how long is this going to last? Um, and so we can ask that. We can, you know, we can also face that so you understand where he's coming from if you've had long-standing difficulties. And he, he, he praised that, and, and, and I'm sure in his heart, he said, God, this has been a while now. Uh, I've been praying. I've been seeking. I've been faithful. Uh, there's other ministers that have been speaking your word, and things have gotten worse. Corruption has, 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 only, gotten, uh, has only grown. What are you going to do about this? And when are you going to do it? And, and so he asked these questions. He, he's praying these prayers. And God surprises Habakkuk um, and, and tells him he's going to allow the Babylonians to be the remedy for the failure that he is seeing. So whether he heard it, uh, you know, had heard it from Jeremiah and it hadn't clicked in or he didn't understand fully, but God speaks to him and confirms his future, confirms what he's about to do. And the Bible says that God doesn't do anything unless he uh, warns his prophets or lets them know. And so this man has insight into to Judah's future. And the Lord replied to them after he had said, how long? Look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe even if you... If, told, if someone told you about it. And so maybe he had heard it from Jeremiah and just didn't believe it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and a violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. And, and Habakkuk is gutted. I mean, you know, uh, he's gobsmacked. This isn't the answer that he was looking for. Maybe, maybe he wanted to hear something like, I'm going to send another prophet, or I'm going to send another revival, or, or another leader is going to come in, and it's going to solve the situation of the king and of the priest. But that's not what God tells him. He says, no, uh, there's something happening, and I'm going to send these Babylonians in. I'm going to send this wicked nation in, and they are going to take you away. And so this just, uh, this really surprises him because here is, a, here is a, a kingdom that's fallen. Here's a people that had known God, had been in his covenants uh, and are steeped in sin. But here is a foreign power that is absolutely wicked, absolutely to the core, uh, completely turned over to idolatry, all sorts of barbarism, all sorts of things that they practiced. And uh, Judah was bad, right? They were in a bad situation, but the Babylonians were awful. They were, they were so much worse. And he questioned God's ways and he questions God's means like, how could you do this? How are you going to use something that is that it's a place that's so dark? How are you going to use some a, a people that are so entrenched in idol worship to bring Judah out of idolatry? I don't get it. How are you going to do it? Habakkuk 1.12, O oh Lord my God, my Holy One, 
you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? In other words, are you going to, are, are, are you just going to allow them to come and, and do what they want to do to us and not, and, and just have them go unpunished? Uh, should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? How can God, how can the God that is so pure use something that is so defiled, so difficult, uh, you're so full of light, how can you use something that is so dark? And, and really, this is the mystery of the ages. This is the tension uh, that all of us, a lot of us, find ourselves in. How can God use something that, is so, uh, that seems so abominable, ab- abominable, something so devilish, something that's, that is just this encroaching evil, this encroaching darkness, uh, to work out his glory, to, 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 to bring his people to a greater place of understanding and praise. And this is his questioning. This is his line of questioning. Um, and, and he's questioning, uh, you know, the same way that we would question things that we find difficult in this time of difficulty, understanding God's ways, understanding God's plans and, and, and God's sovereignty. And, and instead of running, uh, you know, this man, thank God he was not a man for running. He was not a, a man for, for, for turning. Uh, this man pours out his complaint how long God answers, this is what's going to happen. This is coming to an end. I'm going to use the, the, the Babylonians. Why them? That's his next question. And, and uh, instead of running away, instead of this just throwing him, the Bible says uh, that he turns his heart, he determines in his heart to seek the Lord. He determines in his heart to wait on God. And he determines in his heart to embrace the situation and turn it over to the Lord. And, and, you know, in his heart, he said, I might not like the answer. I might not agree just yet with your ways. I might might understand why, but I'm going to determine in my heart to embrace where you have called me. I'm not going to charge you falsely. Uh, even though this cure that you're bringing looks worse than the disease, I, I'm I'm not going to allow this to to take me out from the place where you've called me. Habakkuk two one. Listen to what he says, and I love this because it's it's something that I think that God wants to instill in our own hearts, uh, in our own lives. This is what he says in his questioning. God answers. He doesn't understand. But look at what his response is. Instead of running, instead of turning, he goes right back to what he was doing. He goes right back to where God called him. And he says, I will climb up to my watchtower and I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Did you know God hasn't called us to be faithful only when we know the outcomes you know, so much of, 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 of what we hear in the West is that we're just going to have these outcomes that are like Disney World or, or Disney production endings, that God's just going to, you know, it's, it's just going to be the greatest outcome. It's going to be, it's kind of like the American dream woven into the gospel that everything is going to just come out, uh, you know, uh, roses. Uh, 
and our faithfulness sometimes is tied to that, understanding, well, I'm going to be faithful because I know that everything uh, is, is, is just going to be wonderful. Uh, but you know, God hasn't called us to be faithful only when we maybe even think we know the outcomes, only when we like the answers that he gives. In other words, our, our faithfulness to the Lord and obedience to him is not dependent on the answers that he gives to us. How many of you know that sometimes you might not like the answers that God has for you? We might not like the allowances. We might not enjoy uh, those things that we have to go through. We might not, we, we may not, uh, you know, like the answers that he gives to us. And, but I love that this thing that was in his heart, that he purposed in his heart to hold on until he heard something from the Lord. And, and beloved, we're called to be faithful even when we can't understand. He says, I'm embracing my place. I'm embracing my calling. His name means to embrace. I'm embracing my calling, my appointment. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere until I will hear from him. And, and my biggest heartaches in my own personal journey with the Lord uh, oftentimes have been born out of a, a failure to embrace fully the appointed places that God has called me to walk through. You know, we can, we can experience so much heartache and hardship, uh, self-inflicted hardship, self-inflicted sadness, when we fail to embrace where God has called us and learn to be faithful in that place. Had this man not took his place, embraced his place on the wall, waiting and watching for God's answer, he would have left with only half of the story. He would have left not fully understanding or, or having a clue what God had in store for him. He would only had half the message. And sometimes that's what we get. We get half the message because we fail to find that place of, though we're wrestling, we need to find that place of also being faithful. You know, there's nothing that says you can't be faithful and wrestle with questions, that you can't be obedient and deal with perplexities, that you can't stay in the place where God has called you and still have unanswered longings in your life. Sometimes we don't get the whole picture because we don't embrace where we are. We find ourselves fighting against God's purposes because we only have one view of who God is. And Habakkuk said, I'm going to wait until my vision gets adjusted. And I love this. I love it because he said, I'm going to wait and I'm going to listen to what he has to say because maybe my vision, uh, obviously in this situation, the fact that I'm disgruntled, the fact that I don't, uh, my, my, I'm a little bit out of focus. I've got half the picture here. So I'm going to wait until I get the whole picture. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to just, you know, uh, go AWOL from my post just because it doesn't line up with what I think God should do. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to let God adjust my perception to who he is. I'm going to let him do something in my life and change my heart. Um, and sometimes we miss out because we jump ship. Uh, 
I know Pastor Nick preached a message, I think it was last week, stay with the ship. Sometimes we, we leave too soon or we move too quickly and we don't see things clearly. And, and so difficulty and change is a call many times to take your place, uh, to, to listen and, and to bring your questions and your complaints, but we don't run. And so during all this time of questioning and what's happening next and where we're going to go and what's this thing going to happen, we wait. As Christians, we wait. We might not have the full picture, but we do know who is drawing the picture. We know who is ultimately the one who is authoring everything. And so in this place of waiting, God begins to speak to us. God begins to minister to us. And, and, and waiting doesn't mean necessarily sitting still or just in a posture of prayer or in worship. Uh, sometimes it just means you go about your day. You continue to be faithful as a parent. You continue to be faithful as a worker, uh, as an employer or employee. Uh, as you just go about wherever God has called you, those questions are okay. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to wonder when and how. It's okay to, to, to maybe disagree with, with in our minds at first where we think or why we think God or how we think God is doing things. And, and, it's okay. God does. God never rebukes this man because he's, he's there and he's got an open heart and an open mind. God, I might not agree with you, but I'm not going anywhere. And I want you to adjust my understanding so that I can come into agreement with you and I can make this place of difficulty a place of worship. And sometimes that's all we can do. Just keep being obedient. Just keep being obedient. Keep doing what you know to do. And it's in that place of taking your place, regardless of the pill that you have to swallow, facing the Babylonians, that God will speak to you. God will not put you to shame. God will speak to your heart. And God shows up in chapter 2. You know, you got to get through chapter 1 with the questions and the complaints and find your place in obedience before you get to chapter 2. Some of us are stuck in chapter one, complaining and asking, and we haven't come to that place to say, you know what, I may not understand, but I'm going to wait, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to trust. And, and one thing that is true about God, when you are embracing your place and listening, he never disappoints you. God reveals something so wonderful about this people's future in this place that deliverance is going to come. It's going to take time, but it's going to come. You're going to have to wait on it. You're going to have to go through some things, but hold steady. Keep being faithful. God is going to come, and he's going to move, and he's going to, he's going to shine through this dark season. And in this dark time, God says, tells him, I'm going to do a, a, a wonderful work. I'm going to judge your enemies, and this will be your freedom and your deliverance. That dark thing that you see that seems so ominous is actually going to be used of God to bring about a wonderful, wonderful deliverance in your life and bring you to a place and prepare a place for Christ to come. And chapter 3, uh, you know, we see that as God begins to share with him, I'm going to come. Don't worry. I'm going to deal with your enemies. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to save you. I'm going to do what only I can do. And so it, it brings about this quietness. At the end of chapter 2, it says, be still and know that God is in his temple. So he was brought to this revelation that God's in his temple. Let me be quiet. 
he, he knows the end from the beginning. He is going to use the situation. He's going to bring about his will. And here we're going to finish out in the remainder of the time. This complaint and this prayer turns into a song in chapter 3. As God answers him, as he hears what God is saying, and God speaks to this man. Uh, this, this prayer is, is, is turned, or this complaint and prayer of this man who is embracing God in difficulty uh, now becomes a man with a song because he is embraced. And this is the revelation of, of Habakkuk, that Habakkuk is embracing God. He's letting go of some things, but he's also, and he's surrendering, and he is embracing, and he is holding and he is obedient, and he is faithful. But now he is turning from a man that had, had known about God to a man that has seen God and, and begins to understand something about his name as well. I'm not only one that, that embraces, but God has embraced me. So he goes from the, the, the one that embraces to the embraced one. And you see that in the beginning of chapter 3. It, this is Habakkuk's song. This is the embraced one song. And I think this is the message of Habakkuk to us, that we are the ones that are called to embrace. We are the ones that are called to surrender when, and let go of things. But we're to hold on uh, when we don't understand and be obedient and faithful. And as we do that, as we continue to walk in those seasons, uh, we begin to understand, wait a minute, it's not, it's not, the reality isn't really that I'm holding on to God. The reality is, my name isn't really I'm holding on to God. It's God is holding on to me. I, I, I thought this was about my strength. I thought this was about my ability to be faithful. I thought this was about my ability to... Um, to be obedient and, and to, to live as a lie. I thought this was about, you know, me being uh, angry about everything I see in the world. But I see that God has a bigger picture, and I'm actually the one that's being held. I, I, I'm actually the one that's being held up. And so he's been taken on this journey and this encounter, man that had embraced God, embraced his word, embraced his calling, embraced where he was, and now realizing and understanding that he is the one that is being held. And that's the movement of this book. Through his wrestling, holding on and then letting go, God reveals all along, you're the one that's been, been you're the one that has been held. You're the one who has embraced. You're, you've never been in danger. You've you're never been in a place of being let go or that your enemies would overcome you. And this is part of covenant. This is a part of, of, of our security in Christ. This message is for believers. This is applicable in our lives because we are Habakkuk. This is written to us, the ones that have embraced, but ultimately find out we are the ones that have been embraced. And, and this is our journey. And he, and he pins those famous lines at the end of his encounter with God. And I love it because I think it's, it's where God wants to take you to and me to, to, to a place where we are worshiping God and we are experiencing the joy and the peace of the Lord. And I'm not saying I'm there yet fully. I'm not, I'm not here telling you that I've got all this worked out. But I see a journey of a man, one that is embraced, where God took him to a place where it didn't matter what was happening around him. 
He found his joy and he found his, his strength in his salvation. And he found something in his relationship with God. Listen to what he says, Habakkuk 3.17. Although this difficulty, although the, the, the Babylonians are coming, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. Hallelujah. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. And so, though all these things come, though all these things are happening, I will bless. I will have joy in my God. I am Habakkuk. I am embraced. God is for me. And this gives me strength to walk in peace and to move with God in difficult places. This is our strength. And you sitting there tonight, believer, can say with this man, it may not be your earthly name, but it is your heavenly name. It's the church's name. We are the embraced. We are Habakkuk, the ones who do embrace the gospel, do embrace the truth of God's word, do embrace the Holy Spirit, but even larger than that and bigger than that, the ones that have been embraced. That's your inheritance. That's my inheritance. That's who we are. You are embraced. You are loved. You are his. And that's our strength. That's, our, that's where we find strength to go into places brothers and sisters, that we would never have the ability to go into because we belong to him. And God wants you to know that. God wants me to know that. He wants us to hold on, yes, but, he, but more importantly, he wants us to know that we are being held. I hope you know that tonight. I hope you understand that tonight through the word of God, that you're being held. You are Habakkuk. You are the one that yes, you embrace, but much bigger than that, the Bible says underneath are the everlasting arms. He said in Isaiah, I will carry them in my arms. I will embrace them and I will journey with them. That's us tonight. Can we pray tonight? I wanna to pray for you. And I pray this word will encourage you and bless you. As we face uncertainty, we always have the certainty of God's embrace. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we are the embraced ones. And so often when we're young and we're full of faith and we're full of zeal, we focus on our strength to hold on, our strength to, uh, uh, you know, to see things that are wrong and all the things that are going on out there. And that becomes our focus. But God, as we journey on with you, we sure find that all along, we have been the embraced ones, that you have carried us, that you have journeyed with us, and that, God, there is absolutely nothing to worry about. There's absolutely nothing in this world to be afraid of because you are, you are carrying us and that you have our lives in your hands. Father, I pray that we would go from just holding on to realizing that we are being held. God, be with your people tonight. 
Bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.